0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. We may need a bigger (laughs) place. Eventually. (laughs) Yeah. So, with all of the uh, things going on in the world, so much, so much is happening in our country, in the world. Just in this last week in our country, the shootings of black men by police officers and the shooting of four police officers in Dallas, the killing of four police officers and the wounding of others, and then in the weeks before that the terrorist attacks around the world and then Orlando before that it's been kind of a painful month and there's different ways we can look at this from the perspective of what the Buddha has to teach what the Buddha has to offer one way is to is to explore how do we meet the suffering? How do we open to that? The depth of that, you know, it's to, it's easy in some ways to uh, be overwhelmed and to shut down and to not uh, not go there. And sometimes, sometimes we can do that. Sometimes it's helpful to do that. when we have that ability, you know, it's interesting um, to reflect on the people, at least for me, this, this helps to open my heart and remind myself, you know, the this, this suffering that's happening is not, it's not uh, impossible to be in my life. You know, to reflect that there are people this past week for whom it is not possible to walk away from it. The families and friends of the people who were killed or the people in those communities. And that's one way we can begin exploring this. I I, I explored it from this angle to some extent after, after Orlando a few weeks ago looking at how can we stretch our hearts to hold this. It's so painful. And how can we open to this and not cut down, to shut down and not just try to immediately go to how do we fix this? I mean, it's useful to try to go that way to see what can be done. But we do have to open to the pain so that that movement to action doesn't come from hatred and reactivity, but rather comes from wisdom and compassion. And so we can explore it from that angle, from how do we stretch our hearts to open to the suffering? And the biggest tool there is, of course, mindfulness to help us recognize when we're shutting down what's, help, you know, what's making us push away, what's taking us to reactivity. And so we can explore that side of it. Another side of the exploration might be to begin looking at what does the Buddha have to say to us about why such things happen? This is more from the wisdom side than the compassion side in a way. What does the Buddha have to say about why this, why this unfolds? His whole journey was grounded in this question of why do human beings suffer? What, what's happening in there? Why do we do this to each other? What's going on? And so he has something to offer us to help us to understand. And I think sometimes the understanding can in turn help us to open our hearts and be present for the suffering. This is really his teaching around the first noble truth. He says, understand suffering. And that understanding is informed by wisdom, informed by uh, seeing into how our minds work. This was the Buddha's exploration. He, he, he dove into his mind. He dove into what's going on in here, in this mind and body, and found patterns and mechanisms and things that unfold in his own mind that he understood to be not just about him personally, but kind of more broadly. This is kind of the way human beings work. These are patterns. These are ways human beings kind of go through the world. And these are the ones that catch us up and lead us into suffering. And these are ones that might help us go another direction. And so I'd like to explore one particular piece of this. Although it'll touch, It'll touch on a lot of areas as I explore this. But this particular aspect seems to me to speak to, in some ways, the suffering of this past week in particular. And that is uh, kind of a, a tendency that we have as human beings to um, create a sense of identity. The Buddha talks about this being selfing. We I tend to identify um, this, is, uh, this is me, this is mine, this is who I am. And so we tend to do that. And in that, there's so many different ways that happens. You know, there's different ways that happens. We might do that around, you know, particular um, ways that we engage in the world. You know, that I tend to be the kind of person who um, sits in the front row. Or I tend to be the kind of person who likes to do such and such, or I'm the kind of person who uh, has, a, has a lot of um, analytical ability and I, I can be very clear about things. So, you know, we, we might tend to identify around our own capacities, our own skills, our own habits. And there's another, another way, I mean, the Buddha named he actually named 20 different ways we do this. He, he enumerated 20 different ways that we create a sense of self. I won't go into that. But he pointed to, um, sometimes we create a sense of self around uh, what's called a mental formation. And that can be seen in so many different ways. And, but we could look at it as we form identities around views, beliefs. And um, one way that we do this that may not strike us so much as creating an identity here is that we create an identity around a view that someone is other. That That we create a sense of separation, a sense of self and other. And when we create this other, to me it's it's completely embedded in the way that we do this, this this, this process the Buddha talks about. You know, we identify with things. We, we we take ourselves, you know, I'm the one who's this, I'm the one who's that. And it feels so so normal and it feels so uh, true and real in a way that I am or I exist that we don't often question it. And likewise in a certain way when we create other. It's, it's, it's that same process of congealing around or identifying around a certain aspect of something that's happening. In this case, it's an aspect of a view or a belief around a group of people or a particular person being different or other than us. So this is what I'd like to explore this othering the selfing and othering and and see what we might learn about this you know this is a very natural thing and yet you know we see as we reflect on the extremes of othering that have been present in our society this past week in particular the extremes of othering how much suffering it can cause you know that 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 the the um, the Buddha pointed to this clinging to a sense of who I am, which includes clinging to a sense of somebody else being something else, somebody being other, that it creates struggle and suffering for ourselves, for others, for both. And so it's it's something that we do. It's very natural that we do this. You know, it's natural that we kind of uh, organize in our world by with people that we're familiar with in some ways you know the, 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 we have a we are conditioned beings you know we we are who we are because of all of the conditions that have we've lived through We are who we are because of conditions, even in our mother's womb, potentially even from prior t- to that in pri- previous lives, if, if that's something that you connect with. But we don't even have to go there. We can, we can look at so many conditions have put us together that we cannot fathom these conditions kind of come together and we can, you know, reflect on some of them. You know, the, the, the what, was our, what was our childhood like? Who did we spend time with as a very young child? And who were we familiar with? In some ways, our culture the culture of our families, the culture of our friends, the culture of our schools, the culture of our communities, the cultures of our countries, many cultures that we're embedded in. These cultures influence us. We are conditioned by our cultures. We are conditioned to... uh, You know, how do we, how do we behave in certain ways? How do we, uh, how close do we stand to somebody that we don't know? Do we, uh, how much eye contact do we make? How much, um, um, how much do we say to somebody we don't know? What kind of conversation is appropriate with somebody we don't know? What kind of conversation is appropriate for somebody we know well? There's all of these rules of the game I read so, I read recently a little blurb. I, I, I don't have the exact quote in my mind, but it's something goes something like this. It's like we all play, we all know the rules of the games, but none of us can really articulate them. You know, we, we we engage in our lives as if all of these rules are very clear and yet nobody can name them. Say these are the rules. This is culture. You know, this is how culture works, and it goes in at a level that is so uh, deep. It's it's underneath our our um, you know conscious awareness. So we all we all are informed in this way, and then you know in turn, we having been conditioned by. Culture and shaped by culture, we in turn contribute to that shaping of, uh, on our own. So we we our actions move into shaping the culture at our various in our various cultures, and so we we are shaped by our cultures. And one of the things, one of the kind of uh, maybe the the way that this kind of unfolds in our minds, is that when we're shaped by a particular culture, usually, I would say, that that is what we become comfortable with. And we become uh, familiar with how things work from a very young age. And, and so there's a kind of a comfort there. There's a, there's a sense of, ah, this is, this is okay. So, that, so we, we gravitate towards comfort. And familiarity. We all do this. It's very natural and very normal. And then there's kind of a there can be a kind of a creation of um, you know who who's my tribe, <laughs> you know who's my group of people. Who are the group of people that share this familiar? Who, who's a group of people who share these familiar rules? And so that becomes a kind of a community or a, a group, perhaps, of people that we kind of can land in and feel, oh, this, I, I feel at home here. And so it's, it's, it can be about belonging. It's about wanting to belong. And again, this is a very natural human movement. So we all do this. Where the Buddha... Points to, one of the things the Buddha points to is that yes, this happens, but we are not conscious of it, and we're not conscious of the way in which we cling to it, saying, This is what's right, that way is wrong. Or, This is what's right and good, that way is other. Maybe it's not what I would call bad, but it's certainly not what I want to be a part of. You know, so it's it creates an other. So, so there's this is again this is this is um, very natural for us to to do this, and yet, what the Buddha points to is that we can begin to be aware that this is this is a process, this is a conditioning that we've gone through. It's not an inherent. This is better than that. It's this is what conditions. This being has been uh, made to feel comfortable in. And, And as we can begin to recognize people are conditioned in different ways, we can perhaps begin to have a conversation and begin to meet each other rather than coming up with ideologies. And this is where it begins to get extreme. You know, we get, we get into ideologies. We get into views and beliefs around right and wrong and good and bad around these, uh, these conditionings. So othering... Othering can be done in so many different ways, you know. I've described it in terms of, of culture and tribes and groups. And that's definitely, you know, one of the big ways that we other. We, we, you know, we other by individuals as well. Um, you know, we may other a particular individual. But often when we are othering, and this is what I'd like to, to, to point to, is like we can notice when we are othering. It's a form of selfing. It's a form of kind of constriction and identification that we might, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't necessarily manifest as I, me, or mine. It may manifest as they, them, and there. That may be what's kind of coming up in our minds. They, them, and there. And so when we notice this, can we notice, oh, othering is happening. Not to try to stop othering. But to get curious about it, what is this about? What's happening here? What beliefs are coming into play around this othering? You know, we we may other based on so many different conditions. There's been a lot of othering in our world this week around race. No, the, the this, this it, and 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 you know. Uh, this othering, it, you know, it. One of the challenges with othering. Is that, essentially, when we're othering in this way, when we're we're we're. You know, othering based on somebody's identity with a community, an other community, there's often a lot of baggage and beliefs and views and opinions we have about that other community. They get laid on top of an individual. And this, I think, is where a lot of the suffering comes from. the the seeing an individual through a lens of a group and so we can do this by skin color we might do it based on gender we might do it based on the way somebody dresses we might do it based on age the way somebody speaks do they have an accent or not We might do it based on um, the way they use language, perhaps indicating some sense of class. You know, we, we might be based on some sense of economic class that we create a sense of other. Might be based on you know that that cla- and that class can be based on many things, you know? It might be based on, you know, what kind of job somebody has or, you know. So so there's so many different ways that othering happens. perceived educational status. So again, this is it's natural for us to recognize differences between people and to have kind of comfort or discomfort around differences I have um, a story about this I was in the Peace Corps and I was in uh, a South Pacific island nation called Vanuatu and the 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 native people there are um, uh, very dark skinned People, and uh, I spent nine weeks with a family in the beginning of my training there to uh, learn the language and learn some of the customs of the country and so I got to be very close with the family and the the broader family. I lived with one uh, one woman and she really was my teacher for that time, and her sister uh, was married and And um, I got to know her son really well and spent time with the whole family. And and I would go back to visit, and at one point, um, um, the sister had a a daughter, a new baby, and they named her after me. So I went to visit my namesake. And she was probably two months at that point. She was really young. And uh, I walked up, and my... uh, friend's sister was holding the baby and she turned to look at me and she screamed. She just, she was terrified of me. She cried and shrunk away from me. And um, the explanation that they gave me is all the babies are afraid of white people. And this you know, in reflecting on it, made sense to me because I was probably the first white person this child had ever seen. And, you know, imagining what that must be like to see a face that is so radically different. You know, you're, you're used to looking up and seeing this, this deep, warm color in a, in a human face and you're confronted with the same visage but just this whiteness, pink and white blotchy stuff and it's like, is this normal? This isn't right somehow, you know. So, so this, is, this is happening at a very subconscious level, you know, that, 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 that what, is, what is normal happens to us at a very subconscious level. And so it's not something that we can control, and yet it is something we can begin to be aware of. And so where do we other? How do we other? Beginning to get familiar with that. Now, as I said, this making of distinctions and differences is, is just a natural part of who we are as human beings. But making those distinctions, creating views around them, and then ideologies around those views, that there's a lot of danger there. And so it, this morning as I was reflecting on this, I was thinking about these different ways that we other an interesting thought popped into my mind. And it was, what about animals? Do I other dogs? And I thought, I don't think so. And I thought, that's really interesting. You know, what does that say? And that to me is pointing to the fact that we do make those differences. It's like it's a different species, you know. We know it's a different species. But there's not an identification that I have around somehow being human versus dog. You know, I don't, I don't need to congeal around that identity. And so there we can see what, it, what, what does it mean to make those distinctions without othering. So, so that that to me is an interesting kind of reflection for us. You know, it's. I think some of it has to do with. Um, uh, sensing a sense of you know where is there a need to be. Um, I don't know. There's so many different ways. It might might be competition for resources. It might be. Um, uh, wanting love you know if there's so many different things that might come into play about why we would would other someone so when we do see ourselves othering what happens so we notice and this, this is where mindfulness comes in, you know. And, and what I'm suggesting here is that if we can get interested in this, not to repress it, not to tell ourselves we're bad or wrong for doing this, because it's a very natural function. Everybody does it. But can we begin to open to it and then begin to see what, what kinds of things are we carrying along with this? You know, what kind of baggage are we carrying along with this? What kind of beliefs are we carrying along about the other? Are we, are we doing this thing of laying views and opinions on somebody that we don't even know based on beliefs about a group? And so this, uh, you know, we might, we might have a sense of wanting to go towards or away from another. So there, there could be an othering around... Um, uh, and a, 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 the, the emotion around othering might be, oh, interest or curiosity. It might be fear or confusion. It might be an othering that distances, that puts us at a distance from. This I, I've seen, I see happening and I'm hearing kind of reports of this, like the, the, um, the terrorist attacks overseas in the last month. You know, they, 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 they think more people died in the last month from ISIS attacks than have died in a very long time. And certainly some of those attacks were larger than the one that happened in France. And yet, when the one that happened in France, in this country, there was a huge outpouring and a huge movement of support. And yet, with all of these others, there was barely a ripple you know it was on the front page for a couple days and then it's gone this is a form of othering that oh it's not me it's not about me it's not my doing this kind of othering is harder to see in some ways you know it's it's like it's not related to me it's it's over there and so we we can disengage from it. And so this is a, this is a, a piece to explore too. It's like, so we, when we are, up, that kind of othering of disengaging is probably the hardest to see. In some ways, it's, it's close in some ways to what we do with animals maybe. You know, it's like, you know It's like, oh, they're not related to me. It's not relevant. So that's, that's something to look at. So noticing our responses when we are othering looking at, you know, is there, is there a, a fear or contraction in seeing a particular person? Maybe somebody you don't even know, but because they're in a particular other group, how do you respond? For me, this has been a huge exploration, especially around race, looking at that, you know, watching my, watching my response exploring it, exploring, ooh, how does it feel? You know, not, 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 it's humbling, it's incredibly humbling to see that we have these tendencies in our hearts and minds. And yet, if we don't see them, you know, if we don't see them, then we will be uh, acting from our kind of habitual or gut level or, you know, non-conscious responses. So it's, it's humbling to see that we may have views, opinions, beliefs about a person we don't know that are based on a category, a group. And yet as we see that, we, we can begin to have some traction you know, If we're not repressing it, if we're not shoving it down, if we're not saying, I'm a bad person for doing this, I, I'm not that kind of person. But if we're honest with ourselves and recognize, oh yeah, whew, there's a contraction of fear when I see somebody I don't even know, just based on their skin color. Okay, can I be curious about that? I spent a long time doing that, watching that, watching that, watching that. And then I read this book, very useful book, called Deep Diversity. If you're interested in the topic of exploring uh, these questions, it, you know, he, he, the, the author does a great job of uh, talking about um, how this is all just human, and then, you know, how it kind of messes us up. And uh, in that book, at one point, he suggested, when you see yourself doing this othering, he, he, he talked about it in terms of you know, tribes, about putting somebody in another tribe. You know, he said, "Um, you could ask yourself, I wonder if they like, what kind of vegetables they like? So I started doing that. That ended up being a really, really powerful question. Because it shifted the mind from, I mean, it's just like it dropped, it dropped something pretty neutral into the mind that replaced this kind of feeling of, oh, you know, I need to be careful. You know, I feel vulnerable or something. You know, it replaced that with this, just this sense of curiosity. You know, this is a person. I wonder what kind of vegetables they like. It had a huge impact. So beginning to be aware of our kind of habitual response in this way... To open to it, to not repress it, and then to begin to be curious. You know, wh- first of all, what is the othering I'm doing? You know, we do this all the time. So, how am I othering? What is the what is the basis on which I'm othering? Is it age? Is it gender? Is it dress? Is it voice? Is it is it skin color? What is it? How am I othering? And then, what's the emotional response? And maybe bringing in just a silly question, you know, that might shift you to recognizing the simple humanity of this individual rather than seeing them through the lens of a group or a view or an idea. And then there's the question. I think. So all of this that we've been exploring is just what we do. You know, this is. And can we begin to be aware of it? And then, you know, what happens when power enters the equation? You know, this is. This is where it gets really messy. You know, the. Uh, the power, dynamic. creates the, you know, creates more um, danger in the selfing and othering. You know, when, you know, they, they, and this happens in so many different ways. This is kind of a way that almost a systemic oppression of a group of people happens because of, of power dynamics. That isn't something I want to go into here, but, but we can begin to reflect on uh, how power plays out, just beginning to look at that. you know in Dallas, power played out by someone having a gun. in the shootings of the the black men. At the hands of police officers, the power played out in more institutional ways. And so one of the things I want us all to reflect on is, so these processes at work are pretty universal. And a danger that I've seen in the last week in particular is this idea that, you know... It's just that there's some bad cops out there. It's just that there's some bad people out there. And you know there's so many conditions that come into play and the way the power dynamics come into play that we don't know how we would be on one side or the other of that power dynamic. So Power is a very potent force. So, what I'm pointing to here is that if we can begin to explore this in our own hearts and minds and begin to um, recognize these patterns that are at play, this simple, like, you know, contraction in our hearts when we see other or the distancing when we don't want to engage with other. If we can see that, it may begin to help us to have some sense of uh, compassion also. So this is, you know, it takes us to, to the, the ability to meet suffering, to have some sense of compassion for the patterns that are unfolding and, and not basically creating other around the perpetrators of violence. It's so tempting to say that, you know, it's so tempting. I wouldn't do that. You know, I don't know. I don't know what I would do. You know, I, I sometimes reflect on. You know, the the Holocaust and I sure hope I would have hidden Jews lied about it, you know, to to resist that. But the forces at play, the power at play was so immense. So the Buddha encourages us to watch our behavior, to watch our minds, and to see how does it play out in the world. he, he, He said... I need to understand suffering. This is what I want to to explore is how suffering comes to be. What can I understand about it? And his, his son, he gave this teaching to his son at the age of seven, a teaching we can all understand. And it points to the interrelated, ethical, and connected nature of us as beings. He said to his son, when you're going to do something. Think about it before you do it and see if it's going to cause suffering to self or other or both. And if it is, don't do it. So right there, he's encouraging us to, to look not just at what causes suffering in us, but what creates suffering in the world. To be curious about that too, that dynamic of what creates suffering in the world. He said, before you're going to do it, while you're doing it, make that reflection. Is it creating suffering? If so, stop. After you've done something, reflect. Has it created suffering? To me, this is, this is the, the language we use in these days is noticing the impact of our actions. You know, here the Buddha is pointing to looking at the impact it's like maybe you had I mean, if you've been doing this if you've been looking at beforehand okay, yep don't see that this is going to cause harm. You know, I'm not feeling like I'm constricted or contracted and I'm not feeling like I'm wishing harm on that other person. And the says, do it if that's what happened if that's how you how it is. If you don't see it's going to cause harm do it. If while you're doing it you see it's causing harm then, you know, stop. But if while you're doing it you don't see it's causing harm and you you've you know, checked in, and you don't see that it's going to cause harm, you're welcome to keep doing it. Afterwards, you know, if you've, if you've been doing this all along, and then afterwards you find out, oh, something, what there was something harmful that happened. The Buddha doesn't say, well, it's the other person's problem to deal with. You had the purest intentions at heart. You know, basically, he's asking us to understand what, What's happening there? You know, it's like... To me, this is a pointing to when we're acting in the world and we see, you know, we may be acting from our hearts where we're, we're making the best offering we can and yet what we see coming back to us is an indication of that was not welcome. That was not what I needed or what was helpful for me. And, and, you know, this is, this is how it created harm for me. Rather than either saying to that person, well, that's obviously your problem, you know. Being curious. It's like, oh, what did I not understand? You know, there's something that I didn't understand there. And so can we be curious instead of, you know, dismissive? You know, what, what did I not understand? So this is a way we can learn from each other. We can learn when suffering has been created, related to our actions. Not beating ourselves up, not telling ourselves we're bad or wrong, but, oh, you know, it, there, there can be a feeling of, oh, it hurts to have created harm. That, that, it doesn't feel good, but it doesn't have to go to shame and blame. It's more that sense of, you know, the heart understands. It's like resonating with suffering. It's like, oh, suffering was created. Ooh, that doesn't feel so good. And the interest can be created of, what do I need to learn from this? How can I learn from this? And so... All of this exploration we can have around othering. There's so many different ripple effects around othering. So I want to leave some time for comments or questions on this topic. Anything that you want to say or offer or
1: I was, uh, as you were talking, I was thinking a lot about my two-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter. Um, I was thinking how little difference there is in the words other and mother. Hmm. And then I was thinking about reflecting on her struggle, my granddaughter's struggle to develop independence from her mother. And I think that's where you know that and then I thought about my own struggle to develop independence for my mother, which was a very difficult for me, uh, has is a difficult, lifelong struggle and and I think that i will I think that I will want to do a great deal more exploration on how that elements of that struggle, my struggle as I remember them, um, make it difficult or get in the way of seeing the humanity in other Mm -hmm. people, of my Mm -hmm. seeing the humanity Mm -hmm. in other people. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not that they're not other. I, I know part of this is language, but it's not that they're not other. It's that well, it's not that. It's that I attribute all these things to the other person.
0: Yes. This is exactly what I was pointing to. Yeah. It's, there, there is that natural discrimination and distinction that we make. And, and what happens, though, around othering is really that kind of piling on some view. And so the other is more about our view or a belief, I think. Uh, And so that's useful to to recognize, you know. We don't want to just merge, right? I mean, that's that's. I mean, the whole process of growing up and becoming, you know, uh, a toddler, and then you know a little bit more, and then a teenager, and it's like it's about individuating, and that's healthy, you know. So it's not about like merging, but it's it's it's. it's uh, But I think one of the kind of natural ways that we do that is to reify into you know self and other
1: it's unmerging Uh, yeah
0: yeah yeah.
1: (laughs) at least that was my that's a one word for my experience yeah
0: yeah thank you yeah in the back would you pass the mic pass the mic back
2: I don't know when you say othering,
0: is, is it the same word as duality? Um, is it some um, it's just different. A... I think it's more specific. I would say it comes in the in the same terrain okay. as duality. I mean, we can make a dualism around um, uh, object, you know, like chair and knowing of chair. <laughs> but but it, it, there is a kind of a separation. So duality is about separation. Mm. Um, so it is, you know, it is about that, that othering is about creating a sense of separation and difference. Okay.
2: So it's more uh, active part, creating the uh, separation. It, it is myself, active, I'm, yeah. It's yeah.
0: active, but it's also very um, subconscious. Yeah. yeah, so uh, what I meant to say that the
2: othering, it, it has a lot of cause by, by people also went through that certain period of uh, suffering. Yes. And then when they cannot handle, they cannot filter. They, so that's why I'm here. <laughs> a lot of people here also to learn uh, when they cannot kind of uh, learn something with them out of that suffering then they are confused. They don't know what to do with that. All this anger and suffering that project onto other people.
0: This is true, and this is another piece of the dynamic, I think, that, that you're bringing in, which is that when a group of people others another group for a long time, <laughs> you know, it's like that group Can begin to take that identity. It's like. uh, This is. This is one of the. The explorations around race. You know. It's like. um, Race. Exists because. Basically because white people say it exists. And you know that. that, uh, So that's creating that other. And then, huge ramifications. You know, it's it, it's it's a pretty well known um, understanding that race is a mental construct. There's no. Uh, it's a social construct. It's a, it, it's it. There's no biological. Uh, you can't look at somebody's DNA and decide what race they are. You just it's just not there in the DNA, and so the 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 idea of race is born based on you know some visual perception, but there's no biological thing about it, but that idea that concept because of power because of actions has created a huge amount of suffering, and then there's you know the suffering that's there that 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 power dynamic the suffering that's there it's like that that'll only be like sat with for so long <laughs> before mm-hmm. there's a kind of a no this isn't right this is not this is not okay that this is happening and so you know that the the it's incumbent on all of us to begin to recognize this dynamic and to recognize that you know it's not just about uh, people congealing around a certain identity, but it's partly because they have been othered into that identity. Sometimes that's part of what's going on.
2: Yes, thank you. But I think that part of it is also human condition. Yes, that definitely America has definitely huge racial tension, racial problem. I myself from South Korea. And uh, we also do have some part of immigrations coming from other parts for the the laborers, you know, having better income. And I really feel that it's almost like a human condition where they have to put a line here. I'm in this line. Yeah, yep. There. yep.
0: I mean, there's so, there's some way in which societies will decide who has power. Right. That may be in this country it, it it's a lot around race <coughs> education. Right. In um in England I understand it's about class more than race. And so there's you know there's different ways in which that power you know it, it's very natural for humans to kind of do that. But then it, it solidifies into some kind of, you know, those who have power think they deserve it and think somehow the others are unworthy. And it's, there's, there's no particular, you know, it, it's the conditions that have created what, what will, will make someone powerful. You know, in Vanuatu where I was, one of the conditions that created power was generosity. The more generous you were, the more power you had. It's a very different model <laughs> than our country. So, so that, you know, there's just many different ways that that, that evolves in, in human societies. And yet, somehow it does seem that this power issue is a very natural part of communities and cultures. And can we begin to be aware of it so that it's not you know, believed to a certain extent that, that we see we see the conditioned nature of it essentially yeah thank you for bringing that in it's time to stop so thank you